let's, uh, let's talk about relationships. How about it? And uh, I'm going to talk about marriage, but if you're not married, um, don't feel left out. This, this applies to relationships. And if you want to be married, I want to pray for you. We got a lot of guys and girls up at our church that are, my, my, wife, my wife calls our church Babes Are Us. She says, you know, she's, so, so if some of you single guys just want to just, you know, just follow the call of God, and, you know, come on down. We're, you know, we're trying to get them, you know. And Sherry's like a matchmaker. She's just, she just, she takes the credit. Actually, she has been in more church bulletins than anybody else, you know, mother of the bride and the one who got us together, Sherry. She's right in there. She just has that, uh, has that ability. But uh, we're married uh, 44 years, like I said. Um, you know, when we were first married, 21, I started ministering when we were 21. Uh, and I used to preach the Ten Commandments of Marriage, you know. And I was just barely married, you know. And uh, uh, then uh, I'm 44 now. I'm, pre I'm preaching Ten Suggestions of marriage. <laughs> like strong suggestions, but things that, uh, you know, and, and see my wife sitting here today as I'm talking about what makes a healthy marriage, and I have to ride home with her, you know, for, for an hour and 45 minutes, so, so I'll, I might get a sermon on the way home after this sermon, so. But I want to really uh, uh, share with you that uh, the Lord is healing relationships in the body of Christ. And he's healing relationships in this church. He's healing your marriages, your families, your friendships. Because uh, Isaiah 54 scripture that was up on the screen moments ago, he's expanding your home. And this harvest is about homecoming. And we're going to see lots and lots of people. Lots and lots of people. Come home to Jesus. Lots of orphaned sons and daughters. Come home to Jesus. And it's just an amazing time, but he wants them to not come from dysfunction into dysfunction. And sometimes a church is, you know, dysfunctional, you know, and, and we really need to, to, to learn what it means to have healthy, healthy relationships. One of the biggest killers of relationship is fear. And one of the healers of relationship is the fearless love of Jesus Christ. It's, his love is fearless. His lo Here's what his love does. Let me read this from the New Living Translation. It's uh, 1 John 4, six, 16 to 18. We know how much God loves us. We've put our trust in his love. God is love. Aren't you glad? And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. That's amazing. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect or more mature. So we'll not be afraid on the day of judgment. Well, we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Then this phrase, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Perfect love casts out or displaces all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. So, Father, today we ask you for an experience of your love. Not just a mental knowledge of what agape means, but that we would experience your love at the depths of our heart. And as much-loved daughters and much-loved sons, we'd express much love to people around us, people in our lives, be it a spouse, children, parents, friends, that, that love would increase. And I'll tell you, the love water is rising. 
the love level is rising in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So let it be in Jesus' name, in and through this house. Amen. Amen. Yeah, fear destroys relationships. It just really does. What fear does is it moves us to hide. And the first emotion expressed after the fall, Adam said, I was afraid. So I hid. And what fear does, it causes us to hide from the truth. And, and fear, fear causes us to hide from the truth in a couple ways. Here's one. Uh, fear causes us to be afraid of admitting mistakes. Admitting that we're wrong. I remember watching the show Happy Days when I was a little kid. And, and the, there was the Fonz. And the guy named the Fonz, he could never say the word wrong. I was The word wrong could never come out of his mouth. He just, you know. And, and there's something about fear that, that keeps us from admitting that we're wrong. And in fact, what fear did to Adam and Eve is it, it moved them into a shame-blame cycle. When, when, when Adam was caught, God said, where are you, Adam? Adam came out. He said, Adam, what's going on? He said, I was afraid, so I hid. Okay, why'd you hide? Well, I sinned. And then right away, he moved in. So he moved from shame to blame. Well, well it wasn't my fault. It was actually this woman you gave me. Notice there, he's blaming two. He's this woman and you gave her to me. Thanks a whole lot for, yeah, this woman and you gave her to me. You know, and then poor Eve is left there. There's nobody else around, so she points to the serpent. You know, well, when me was a serpent, you know. Then the serpent's there, and he, he had no leg to stand on. I mean, he was, he was sorry. <laughs> but, but see, shame, shame and fear, fear causes us to... to be afraid of admitting mistakes. But if you're parents, you know what I'm about to describe. Okay, you're downstairs in your house, your kids are upstairs, and some loud noise happens. It sounds like a, a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin factory, and you're, you're going, what's going on? And you go to the bottom of the steps, and you yell up to the kids, what happened up there? And they say all together, one, two, three. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's, there's this fear of admitting that, we're, that we somehow uh, were wrong. It's, and when we do that, when we, when we shift responsibility and we blame someone else, John wrote this in 1 John 1.8, when we shift responsibility, we can't take onus for our mistakes. We deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. And that's what fear can do. Here's something else fear can do. It can keep us afraid of expressing our feelings. And the two predominant feelings that we don't like to admit are that we're hurt or we're angry, especially when we're Christians, because Christians don't get hurt and Christians don't get angry. Eh, it ain't necessarily so. It's hurt feelings... Hurt, see, hurt happens. Now, if you're in a toxic relationship, some people intentionally hurt other people. And there are those that are sociopaths, and they just try to hurt other people. But I'm finding, for the most part, most folks don't want to hurt other people. They just are insensitive. They didn't mean to do it. They didn't sit up all night thinking, I'm going to make life just terrible for you tomorrow. No, it's just in the course of life. We get stuck in our own stuff. We don't think of anybody else. We don't think if I say it this way versus that way, it might hurt them. We just kind of do it. Hurt happens. Hurt, the thing is, hurt doesn't have to destroy a relationship. Hurt alone doesn't. Resentment does. It's what we do with hurt. In fact, the word resentment means to resend. 
means to push play on the video again and again and again and again. And actually, the more you watch it, the more bitter you get and the more melodramatic it becomes. What was this big of a hurt now is that big of a hurt. And you've got all kind of motives read into it. And, and so it's, it's fear of admitting that we're hurt. And, and it happens in the church. Your feelings get hurt. Maybe you're not here long enough, but just wait. Some are going to hurt you. They won't try to. They just, you know, we're sheep and sometimes we don't, just don't know. But in the church, often people get hurt by other people, and then they tell five other people that they got hurt by this guy. And then the guy finally comes up to you and says, you know what? I was thinking the other day, I was kind of rude to you, and I, I'm just sorry. Did I hurt you? No, not me. Not me, bro. You didn't hurt me. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, oh, no, really? I didn't? Because I, no, no, brother, brother. We're brothers. I love you. Bless you. Oh, bless you. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to lay hands on you right now. In the name of Jesus. So we don't like to admit we're hurt. We, we don't like to admit we're angry because our Christians shouldn't get angry. Let me tell you, anger has a healthy place. There is healthy anger. In fact, do you know we have a commandment in the Bible to be angry? Give me that, brother. I need it right now. I want to write that down. Well, well just hang with me, please. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry, but don't sin. But be angry, but don't sin. See, being angry means we care. And if there's something not right, we get angry. Now, ultimately, our anger should be vented toward the, the one who is, is, is messing with us in the first place. Our biggest problem is not with flesh and blood. It's not your wife. It's not Uncle Ernie. It's not your mother-in-law. It's principalities and powers. And, and we need to get good and angry at them, what they're trying to do. Jesus showed anger. Jesus healthy, but Jesus showed anger. You said, Jesus showed anger? You know, all the pictures we have of Jesus, he's so nice. He's carrying sheep around, wearing a dress and a Frisbee, and he's smiling. You know, he's, he's, he's holding little kids, and he's just being, you know, just all, all these, and then there's laughing Jesus picture and smiling Jesus. Somebody needs to draw an anger Jesus picture, because he, you know, because there are times he was angry, you know. When he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, and he saw what the enemy had done to mess up life here on the planet, he was angry. And, and it, it, says, it says that he snorted like a war horse before he called Lazarus forth from the grave. So maybe if you're an artist, picture that, draw it. I'd like to see the snorting Jesus picture. Because he... He's, you know, th he tears into a religious spirit that's trying to mess up the people of God. When Jesus, now I, I grew up in the church, and, and when Jesus cleansed the temple, we had the flannel graph. And the flannel graph picture we saw of Jesus cleansing the temple was, he's smiling, always smiling. He's got this little whip. There's a table tipping over. There's a couple coins falling on the ground and two, two doves flying away, and that was Jesus cleansing the temple. But I found out that the temple where he cleansed was the size of three football fields, and it was packed to pack with like, a, like the, the ultimate flea market filled with, with money changers taking advantage of the people of God. And Jesus, when he went through, he was whipping a long time <laughs> to drive out the wrong spirit. My house is a house of prayer. You get out of here. So there's, there's a place for anger there's a place for healthy anger. There's, it, healthy anger says, 
I care. I care about what's attacking our relationship, and I'm, I'm not going to take it lying down. That's healthy anger. Unhealthy anger manifests in a couple ways. Unhealthy anger manifests with an explosion, usually verbal. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger. It's just, I'm blowing up, and I'm bad, and out it comes. There's another way that unhealthy anger can be expressed, and that's the passive-aggressive way. I'm very familiar with it. It's the lifestyle in my state, Pennsylvania, PA, passive-aggressive. It's just the way we relate there. Folks will never tell folks directly. We like New Jersey, no jive. They just are right at you with it. You don't have to wonder. But in, but in PA, we're, we're quite passive-aggressive. And, and uh, passive-aggressive folks often express anger in subtle ways, drop little hints, or they'll use humor. And it's as old as the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 26, 19. There are those who speak rashly and angrily and harshly like the thrusts of a sword, and later they say, I was just joking. That's in the Bible. And that's what, that's what can happen because we don't know how to do it. But in an even deadlier way, anger expressed internally that's imploded. Depression is anger directed inside you. And it's, it's not a good way to deal with anger. Uh, fear, fear manifests in an inability to express our feelings. And just one more. Uh, fear can manifest in a way that we are afraid, terrified of losing control, losing our freedom, having someone take it away. Now, right after Adam and Eve sinned, God came to Adam and Eve, and then spoke to the serpent as well. But he said to, to, to the woman, he said, because of sin and fear, this is what's going to happen to your relationship. I created you to be one together, to walk in unity, to walk side by side. Let us make them in our image. Let us make them in our image and let them rule together. Not let him rule and her bake muffins. Nothing wrong with muffins, but he said, no, let them rule together. Not let her rule. Not let him rule. Let them rule together. That was, God said, just as we are side by side, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I want you to be side by side. But sin split them from one another. Do you know that the root word in Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, the root word for evil and the root word for sin is the same root, and it means to shred, to separate, and to divide. And ultimately, the enemy wants to divide people from God and divide people from one another. And the enemy came to divide the man and the woman from one another. And God spoke to the woman, and he said, because of sin, he's going to rule over you, and your desire will be for him. Now, there are some that like that verse quite a bit. There's, there's some men that really like that verse. They'd like to put that in a, an anniversary card. And, and uh, I, tell, I tell younger men, don't, until you know what that means, you don't want to go putting that in the anniversary card. Because, see, on, at the, on the surface, it can look like your desire is going to be for him. There's my man. And he's going to rule over you. I'm in charge. But what's really said there in that statement, the words rule and the words desire are not good words. 
The word rule means to treat as inferior and to dominate and oppress. And the word desire is not lovingly looking at him like there he is. No, the word desire means I so resent that you're taking control over me that I'm going to try to usurp you. And so it's a vicious cycle of fear and distrust and control. And that's what fear does to relationships. But let me get to the good news. The fearless love of the Lord can break the chains of all of those fears. Fears. His, his perfect love expels the fear of admitting mistakes. His perfect love expels the fear of admitting our feelings and being honest and being real. And, and, and his perfect love expels the fear of, of, of control. Because really, when you surrender to Jesus, you also yield your life to one another. And we are learning to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. It's a wonderful thing. You know, a lot of folks, I think the reason why they worship the universe and pray to the universe instead of pray to God, the universe is never going to tell you to die to yourself. It's never going to tell you to take up your cross and follow. But God does because he knows what's best. And so listen to this about what, what fearless love does. Ephesians 4.15 says, As we speak lovingly and truthfully to one another, Two things will happen. We'll be built up. Ephesians 4.12 will be built up. We'll, we'll become mature. Fearless love makes us mature. Speaking the truth fearfully and lovingly makes us mature. You can't separate fear from love. If you do, something's wrong. If you have just truth and no love, it's harsh. If you have love and no truth, it's weak. I mean, I could sit on my front porch and smile at traffic as they drive by, knowing the bridge is out. Ah. Love you, bless you. Is that love? Not really, because it doesn't have truth in it. And we're being sold a lie right now in the church by the father of lies, being told that if you speak truth, you're intolerant, you're a terrorist, you're harsh, you're mean. And I'm telling you, I've been set free constantly by the truth being spoken to me in love. I had to get my head out of my own stuff. I had to get lies out of my brain. I had to get demons out of my life. I had to get darkness out of me so I could walk in the light as he's in the light. So it's, there's an anointing on us to speak the truth in love in this hour without apology. And if folks question our motives, well, that's okay. They can do that. But I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. See, here's, fearless, fearless love moves us to be honest. First of all, to be honest with ourselves. And that can be hard. To be honest with ourselves. To admit that we've contributed to the problem. I had a hard time doing this in my marriage. I had a hard time doing it with my friends. I, always, I, could, I had a hard time admitting I was wrong unless I could find out that somebody was wronger. Or I, I did the percentage thing. Well, maybe I contributed 20%, but you did the 80 there. And, uh, you know, okay, I lost my temper, but you really lost yours. Okay, I, I raised my voice, but you really raised your voice. And the Lord, uh, Lord started to speak to me. He said, you know what, David? You can't blame this on Sherry anymore, your wife. You can't blame it on your mama. 
can't blame it on your toilet training. You can't blame it on the kid that made fun of you in school. You can't blame anybody anymore. You've got to take responsibility. You've got you to want to be healed. You know, I, I used to think it was mean when Jesus came up to people that were sick, obviously, and he said, do you want to be healed? Whoa, whoa, I mean, Jesus, should, should you go to, like, refining school a little bit, like the messianic refining school to learn a little better way to approach? To, you don't go up to somebody sick and say, do you want to be healed? You know, but there's a reason Jesus said that. He, he was saying, you know, do you, really, do you acknowledge that you need to be healed, that there's something wrong in you? Are you going to point at everybody else and see all their problems? And are you willing to see that there's something in your life that needs healing? And are you willing to take responsibility for your life? Are you willing to give up being a victim and say, I want to take responsibility. I want to be healed. I want to be changed. Well, I had to stop blaming my wife. She would say things, and I'd hear, she'd say things one way, and I'd hear it the other way. But I didn't blame her. You're just mean. You're saying that. That's, why did you say that? And, 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 and the, uh, one day the, the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want to have a talk with you, Dave. When the Holy Spirit wants to have a talk with you, just, just don't fight him. Because <laughs> he is stubborn. He is loving, but he's stubborn. David, David, let's have a talk here. Okay. You've been blaming everybody else. But, David, there's stuff in you that needs to get healed. And until you let me heal that, every time somebody touches you or says this or that, yeah, but they're rude. Yeah, but listen, love is not easily offended. you got to stop blaming everybody else for being rude when you're being easily offended. David said, um, I have ears that the Lord channeled out for me. And, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, David, there's debris in your ears. And when your wife says something, you hear this because it's touching some old wounds and some old hurts. And so I went for counseling. I, I believe in counseling. I know sometimes in the church we say, if anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. You don't have to deal with it. Well, I, I, I find that, uh, yeah, in our spirit we're made alive. But in our soul we can be really messed up. And we sang today a powerful word. We sang unravel me you unravel me david said in psalm 139 lord search me and unravel me see if there's anything in me that's not right so i spent some time with counseling with some deliverance there were some demonic strongholds in me there were some there's some lies that i had accepted as normal and just the way i see things and and the lord needed to to go through me and and bring healing and uh you know, when I, when, I, when I walked that out, began to walk that out, it was amazing. I thought I had a new wife. <laughs> and, and yet I was getting healed and not getting hurt all the time by what she said. I mean, I provided for her a whole minefield, and good luck walking across that and not getting your leg blown off, you know? She didn't know how to tiptoe around all those stuff and, and all those things. And I, you know, and I'm, I'm still, I'm not saying, well, here I am, perfect. Because I have to go home with her, and she would <laughs> remind me of some things. But no, but, but I'm, 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 I'm in the process of learning the joy of being honest with myself, the joy of being honest with others, and letting, here's the big one, letting others be honest with you. God's put 
faithful friends in your life and my life who can give faithful wounds and not deceitful kisses. If you just somebody, want somebody who's always going to be kissing up, that's not going to help you in the long haul. We, we need people that are willing to speak the truth in love. Why? Because we have blind spots. And they're called blind spots because we're blind. We actually don't see them. And we need others to help us. In fact, the way the Lord designed us is we can't, we can't always experience what other people experience. We can't always experience us. Our friend Danny Silk said, the people that are most influential in, in the world are the people who know how other people experience them. And we need other people to give us feedback. And we say, well, I think I know how I'm. I, I'm pretty well self-aware. Well, think about this. In the natural, our nose can smell a skunk a mile away. But this close, we can't tell if we have bad breath. Right under our own nose. We need a friend that's, that loves us enough to say, do you want a mint? And take the whole box. <laughs> Honest friends. We need them. We need them. And fearless love moves us to the place where we can be truly honest. Walk in the light as he in the light, as in the light. And then we have real fellowship, not phony fellowship. Then we have real fellowship with one another. Then if you come to a gathering of, of, of believers and you're not feeling so hot, you don't have to put on your, you know, thank you Jesus smile. You can, you, you can say, how are you doing today? Honestly, I'm not doing real well. Can, you, can I talk to you a little bit? No, you don't want to do that with everybody. You know, some, some folks, when they say, how are you doing, they don't really want to know. They're just saying, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? But there are people in your life and my life that care about how we're doing. Especially the people that you've given yourself to and they've given themselves to you. I have found through the years that more and more the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds just like my wife. I used to think it was another spirit. I bound you, foul spirit. It wasn't a foul spirit. It was a Holy Spirit. It was a spirit of truth and he was going after truth that would set me free. Just one final thing. Fearless love brings us to the place where we can be honest with God. Just honest in his presence. Just there in his presence, being open and honest. David, search me. See, David said, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. And the word for wicked is where we get our word wicker. It's twisted. See if there's anything in me that's just twisted, where I'm not seeing things straight. I'm not thinking straight. Untwist me. Un you unravel me with a melody. Give me... Give me a new song and unravel me and, un, and untwist me so that I, I, I see clearly. Now, here's something we've got to be willing to be honest with the Lord about. Uh, this seems to be the, the, a season of opinions. Have you noticed that? Everybody's got one, you know? In fact, my grandma used to say, opinions are like feet. Everybody has at least two of them, and they don't think they stink. We need to be willing to, we, we form opinions so quickly, don't we? I mean, I mean, wow. Social media has really taught us how to be antisocial, haven't they? Just people, I mean, 
two seconds ticked by and you got an opinion on that already and now you got an opinion on them and then now you don't like the whole group of them and now you're naming that whole group and I didn't even know it was a group and there's opinions back and forth but we need to be willing uh, uh, the passion translation quotes Jesus this way open your heart and consider my words watch out that you don't mistake your opinions for my revelation light and so we need to be willing to lay before the Lord, look, I feel strongly about this, but this, does this line up with you? This deep opinion I have, is it a conviction of the Holy Spirit, or is it just a biased opinion that I have? And let him clean us up, because we're in cleanup time, and there's a lot of shrapnel that's being pulled out of us, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. When we humble ourselves under the hand of the Lord, humility, honesty, and healing go hand in hand together. Humility, honesty, and healing, hand in hand together. When we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord, his mighty hand is not to crush us, it's to lift us up. The discipline of the Lord may not be pleasant for the moment, but in the end it yields the peaceful fruit of a healthy relationship with him. And the discipline of the Lord is not for him to put us down, but it's for him to call us forth and call us into all he created us for. So... Let his fearless love have its way. Because he's going after every clog like Drano used to do on that old commercial. He's, he's, he's tearing through everything that stops the flow of his perfect love from coming in us and through us. It's a good day. You know, we were driving, uh, driving here on, uh, on 80, Route 81, and uh, we listened to your Pastor Wanda's wonderful word on Elijah streams. I'd highly recommend it. And as she was talking, she talked about just lay hands on your head. You've been through some stuff. And I, I was just through something. I, I allowed something somebody said on my team to just offend me and, and, and just ferment in me. And I wasn't in a good place. I allowed the chaos of that Leviathan spirit to kind of mess with my world. And so uh, they're listening to Wanda driving in the car. She said, lay hands on yourself and pray. So I kept my eyes open. So don't worry. I was driving, you know. So I kept my eyes open and put my hand on my head. And I just, I just said, Lord Jesus, just come. Just come. And, I, and what I started to get was a fresh baptism of his love. And the, uh, just a fresh baptism of his love. That, his love that casts out fear. And it just pushed this, to put it in perspective and just pushed it out, out of the way. And so I, I'd like for us to, I know you all believe in laying on of hands here, but how about if we lay hands on ourselves right now? And just let's just call upon Father for a fresh, fresh baptism of his love, that he would drench us, drench us with his love today. <sighs> yeah, Father, Father. Ah, oh, Father, we, we receive that from you right now. Drench us. That baptize us. The word baptism means a sponge that's so full of water you couldn't put another drop in. Drench me. Soak me in your love. Soak me in your love. Push out every fear. Fear patterns that have gotten in the way for far too long. Just push them out of the way. He's doing that right now. He's doing that right now. I tell you, he's pushing some other stuff out out of the way. He's pushing, pushing self-loathing right out of the way. You say, I, I want fearless love. Yeah, I want your love shed abroad in my heart. Well, he wants you to love who he made you to be. Be grateful that he made you who you are. No more comparison. No more competition. Just grateful 
and I, I see the perfect love of the Lord breaking, breaking that, that posture of self-loathing right out of your system. He's, he's going after some, he's going after some really long-standing offenses that have just held you back and hindered you. When Jesus taught on forgiveness, he said, he said, forgiveness is like taking a mulberry bush and seeing it ripped out of the ground and thrown in the sea. The thing about mulberry bushes is they have a stubborn, the most stubborn root system of any plant that grows in that part of the world. And the only way to kill that plant is to pull it up from the roots and put it in salt water. That's the only thing kills it. And Jesus said, guess what? Even the most long entrenched bitterness, even the most long, the long entrenched bitterness in you can be plucked up at the roots and thrown into the sea and not come back and dominate or distract you anymore. So we declare right now the, the fearless love of Jesus is permeating me, doing some weeding, some shrubs being pulled out, thrown into the sea. He's releasing me to be a fearless lover of him and of others. It's a new day. There's a new day dawning. There's a new day coming. Jesus, thank you. And where there's been conflict and turmoil, you're bringing peace. Just as you stepped into the upper room after you rose from the dead, you breathed on them. You spoke words. You said, peace be to you. Just as you breathed out peace, you call us to breathe it in. So right now, just, just do that. We breathe in your peace. <laughs> we breathe in your peace. You're the Prince of Peace. You're at work. And you, the Prince of Peace, you're our peace. You can break down every wall of hostility, just as you did between Jews and Gentiles. You can break, you're breaking down walls of hostility between husbands and wives and family members and, and, and friendships. You're breaking down all those walls of hostility by your peace. I breathe it in now. I breathe in your peace. I breathe in your peace, yes. I feel God's giving an upgrade to on the way we see God. Wow. Pastor Bobby uh, shared it earlier, but do we see God as a harsh judge or do you see him as a loving father? Right now, yeah. Father, make that shift in our minds. We sang yeah. about being a child of God. Yes, There's God. no fear in love, as Dave said. Perfect oh, yeah. love casts all love. Oh, Give us an upgrade, Father, that yeah. even, even when he's no. wanting to correct us, we yeah. experience his love. Yeah. We experience his grace, his peace. Father, give us that upgrade even now, right now. You're a loving Father. You're good. You You're are. good. You're you good. Are. You're good. And in the presence of His goodness, all our walls just fall to the ground. Yeah, we love you, Papa. We do. We love you. We love you. We do. Thank you, Papa. I'll tell you, His nearness to you is because of your dearness to Him. His nearness to you is because of your dearness to him. He cherishes you. Yeah. We receive your peace, peace. Your wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. 
sweep over my spirit forever i pray in fathomless billows of your love fathomless billows of your You're stepping into new places of healthier relationships than you've ever known before. And this isn't about just happily married ever after. No, this is about amazingly, healthily joined to one another for the here and now and the future. He's joining you in the healthiest places. He's, he is healing you. He is healing you. He is healing you. In Jesus' name, bless you, bless you, bless you. So good to be with you today. God bless you all.